we are so late my goodness deepest and dearest apologies to anyone that may have been waiting um man i am so flustered i will get into it quick but then we want to get into the sports i'm chris patrick host of the heat check podcast and with me tonight as always mr michael benjamin what's going on what up what up hey we overcome that's what it's all about and i got my notepad i got my highlighter with the light on the back i got some sharpies pens i'm ready i i did my homework you did your homework for four hours this week for four, for four hours the show i'm beautiful i'm well, set don't you worry about that mike because just earlier tonight we decided to take that out of your valley sports plug contract oh. you, you are no longer required to do that four hours of homework because we know you're going to do it anyway we know you're going to do it anyway hey you're putting a lot of faith in me chris i mean i appreciate i appreciate it but i don't know man yeah i mean i i, I have faith in you man i have faith anyway quick reason why we're late obviously you see i'm chris mobile patrick tonight um my <laughs> we had some technical difficulties my microphone was working just fine but my camera on my horrible laptop was not working so fine so we uh like mike said where there's a will there's a way and we overcome so here we are we're live we got about a little under an hour to get through all this craziness and shenanigans that's been going on so let's get right right into it man like we were just talking about there kyler murray has signed his contract since our last live stream that should be that should have been the biggest news right we should have been talking about just how crazy that is but in paragraph 36 i think it was they put this addendum that said that he kyler murray had to have four hours of independent study you saw that shit, right oh my god yeah i <laughs> it's laughable uh right to begin with uh, i know kyler came out in the uh i think he took the stand today in front of the press and basically he said like said, the same thing he said it's a joke i can't believe it um I, I kind of agree with him uh but i also understand that it's the cardinals trying to cover their bases making sure that the guys invested i mean it is a very 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 large contract and they want to make sure that he's all in and part of the team so i get that to an extent but i would hope that you know we're all adults here right we're we're yeah. all sitting at the big boy table i'd hope we could have those conversations beforehand and i don't know if it was something that was like a miss like a missed step by his agent or i right. don't think so and i hope it was conversations that they had before he signed it but it is it's it's a good joke and it's not a good joke for the Arizona Cardinals to start off the season going into the training camp this way. We obviously want to be talking about other things like the new pieces that have come involved, come involved, our new draft picks like Trey McBride, Marquise Brown getting into the fold and, and mm. getting guys comfortable and moving for, you know, the for those first couple of days of training camp. I know first open practices start this Saturday. But oh man, dude, it's it's the the wrong stuff to be in the limelight right now. But you know, you could just gotta roll with the punches. And, and I am proud of Kyler coming out and kind of sticking up for himself. You know, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, you gotta especially when you have all the bad press and you get that blowback. You definitely gotta stick up for yourself. But where was where was his agent telling him and sticking up for him, or where was he sticking up for himself to not have that in there in the first place? Like. No matter how this has ended up shaking out, I feel like any Cardinals fan should be pissed off or a little bit annoyed right now because it's a joke. It is a joke. And now everyone in the league is saying it's a joke. It's a slow news season for sports. So when you get a story like that, they're going to run with it. And it, that story was out within minutes of, or within hours, I guess, of the, of the deal, news of the deal coming out. So I just, I don't, I didn't like it um, personally, but I get it. And and you, like you said, the team has to cover their bases. And there's been a lot of issues with Kyler Murray. Like even going back to his draft days um, or when we were looking at getting him drafted, there's an article that was that I found from NBC Sports where uh, he had to, he came out of the combine and they questioned his leadership skills, basically. Um, won't dive into that too much, but that's always kind of been a question. And then like me, me you and Tallman have talked about, he he gave up on his guys. He almost has this attitude, it seems, where he blames other people around him. And there is that perception that he doesn't work as hard to be the leader. But 
for the on the Cardinals end to put that even put that in there and that weight on Kyler to say to air that out in public, I just think that's foul. So I think on both sides, like there's a way there's many ways to look at it. Uh, I think it's just it's a tough thing that when you start putting it in contracts, it, it's not a good start, right? To the breath of fresh air that we were hoping to get from the contract signing, you know, stating that Kyler Murray is your guy, he's your go-to, he's your leader for the next five years. And there's just a lot of questions that come with that. I mean, obviously Michael Bidwell is a very hands-on owner comparative to, or yeah, comparative to other owners in the NFL or professional sports. He has a say, and I'm sure that he was involved in adding that you know, is, it was Steve Keim another guy that's they're putting it in there? Is Cliff, yeah. Kurt, is Cliff Kingsbury a guy who maybe saw that there wasn't enough film study going on, um, you know, on off days or whatnot? So he kind of helped that out. It's all speculation. We'll never freaking know. But to get off on that kind of a foot, uh, to, to start, because, you know, everything that happened with Kyler Murray's basically scrubbing his Instagram of everything Cardinals related to the statement from his agent and the months of basically work that it took from both parties to mend the situation and then to finally be in a, in a clear headspace and now to get back into this kind of dumb shit. It's like, it's, I, I can't believe that we're even here, but you know, Kyler Murray had to read the contract before he signed it. Did he just completely um, gloss over that and was just like, right. oh, yeah, whatever. I mean, I do that no matter what. And then uh, the information came out and it was uploaded to NFL records for anybody to see. So people saw that and started reporting on it. And maybe, you know, his team came to him and was like, dude, you're getting a lot of flack online right now from people saying how ridiculous this is for him to then finally come out to the press and say, Hey, this is a joke. I mean, I, I I don't know what we're doing here, Chris. I'm so confused. There's right. so many different th things going what? through my mind right now. But all I know is this is not the way we want to start the season. No, no. And and where's the disconnect here? I think it just says it. There's a lot that I don't want to say it says a lot because I think that in a lot of ways there's a, a lot of what am I trying to say? You can read into it many different ways. And I, I like I said, who's to blame? Bidwell. Kaim, um, uh, Kingsbury obviously wasn't involved in the negotiations, but you have a, a setup here where Kaim is kind of alpha over Kingsbury, and Kingsbury's like, yeah, I'm just here coaching the guys, being the being the dude. Um, I'm not saying he should be more forceful in those negotiations, but like, man, yeah, where's the disconnect? Like you said, I don't know what we're doing here. It's like I, I couldn't have, I couldn't have said it better. It's just. Aye, aye, aye. And then I'm, on top of – go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I mean, we already got plenty of other stuff to figure out right now. We got to figure out who's going to be number two receiver behind Marquise Brown. Now we got to figure, figure out who's the number one receiver because he's his hamstring is hurt. Obviously, mm -hmm. we don't know to what extent, and hopefully he just misses a little bit of time during training camp and maybe the preseason. Um, I'd be under the – uh, I, I'd stay on the safe side. And if he has to sit out two or all three games in the preseason, I mean, do it because he's your number one weapon. We do not have DeAndre Hopkins. He right. has to be healthy rolling into the season. So, But that's more time that you don't have to get into the fold and figure out what this team is about without D-Hop. So uh, <laughs> it's, you, you finally – see the light at the end of the tunnel and be like, okay, all of this nonsensical bad blood that was going on between the Cardinals organization and Kyler Murray has finally come to an end. And obviously this just happened today and everything's coming to light right now. I, I, I just can't imagine how Kyler truly feels. And if it's kind of a step back, obviously he said it's a joke, so he doesn't feel good about it, but is that all perception? Is that just, you know, putting it out there so he makes it makes himself look better? I, I don't right. know, but it's <laughs> oh, all you can do is laugh. All you can do is laugh. At, at the end of the day, yeah, we can we can sit here and and go go at this many different ways and rage on it. 
but I did hear, I did see this interesting article, or I heard about it um, on the radio, and then I read about it in the actual article. But let me just read you this in case you didn't hear about it. Um, so this was like, it was probably like more than halfway down in the article. Uh, here, oh, where, shit, where was I? Oh, I scrolled back up. My bad, Mike, I'm sorry. Oh, you're all good. Anyway, basically, I'll just summarize it then because I won't just read it. But basically, it was highlighting the fact that the Cardinals start have in the past couple seasons have started hot and then fizzle out and have a, uh, you know, a sputtering finish to the season. And there's a lot of different factors for that that aren't always directly or, I, or can't always be blamed on Kyler. But the interesting correlation they made and something that I've pointed out about Kyler Murray is what what point in the season does he start slumping? It's like in in November, December, and finishing out the season. What it was is that what happens in November every year? A new Call of Duty game comes out. Oh goodness gracious! And Kyler's always the, the first person to hop on. They they even said I think in the article here if I've had my shit together. Um, that on after the Hail Murray game, within two hours he was on Twitch streaming. I know that you've had conversations about that because it's like yeah. wow, I, like I'm barely seeing like press row go on, and there's Kyler Murray on Twitch already playing. Like, how did did he he didn't shower right? The dude no. probably smells like absolute balls. <laughs> he just hops into his gaming chair and gets going, but. I mean, the guy's signed with FaZe Clan too, right? So he probably has a little bit of contract. Um, yeah. A contract addendum stuff within it where he has to get a certain amount of His hours Twitch in order to get yeah. a check and whatnot. Um, <laughs> I mean, makes sense, right? When's the next Call of Duty coming out now? It's probably always the same time frame every year. Yeah, I think sometime early November, I think. But yeah, here, here it is just real quick. I found the paragraph um, now that I wasn't scatterbrain uh the new york times story also relayed an anecdote about how murray went home to play call the call of duty video game after his signature moment as an nfl quarterback his 43 yard hail murray touchdown pass to deandre hopkins in november 2020 gave the cardinals the win over the buffalo bills new entries in the call of duty series are released in late october or early november and murray's nfl numbers have followed a similar pattern after each version is released in games played after the annual Call of Duty release date over his career, Murray averaged 22.5 fantasy points. In games played after the annual Call of Duty release date, Murray averaged 17.4 fantasy points, a decline of 22.7%. Direct correlation. Gotta be, you know right? <laughs> you know what? Dude, FaZe Clan is such a huge organization in gaming. They gotta get in touch with Activision or whoever is making the game and get him an early copy. So he's playing next week and he can suck during the preseason. And then this and then he's all tapped out with the game. And then he could just get going with football. Maybe get it that's out of the, the way for a month. Yeah. Maybe that's the answer. They got uh, they got him. He's got to figure it out, man. <laughs> One way or another. Yeah. I mean, I did see some other things too. Like Robert Griffin came out. He tweeted, he said, still bothered by Kyler Murray's situation. He has already had to deal with short jokes his entire life. Some say he looks like a toddler out there running around, and now the Cardinals get, uh, give him a homework clause in his contract. What in the reading rainbow is going on in Arizona? Uh, hey, I got the same sentiments too, RG3. Yeah. Uh, I wonder where he's playing. He's still playing, right? Or is he just... Yeah. Oh, I don't know. That may be a ride the pine, whatnot. Can you see that? And then I think uh, pretty recently the Cardinals have come out with a statement uh, Adam Schefter tweeted, after seeing the distraction it created, we removed the addendum from the contract. It was clearly perceived in ways that were never intended. Our what confidence in Kyler, oh, yeah. Our confidence in Kyler Murray is as high as it's ever been, and nothing demonstrates our belief in his ability to lead this team more than the commitment reflected in this contract. Goodness. When you get the backlash, you got to do some backtracking, right? So that's probably what we're seeing in, in that regard. But, I mean, uh, at the same time, man, with all the bullshit that happened this offseason, the way that the playoffs ended, 
the way that he came out and didn't want to lead the team to the finish line, even when you're getting your ass kicked, yep. you 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 would think that they'd have some you know concerns or you know th- thoughts in the back of their mind where they're like, is this guy really about it, or is he really about us? You know, so they're yeah. trying to cover their asses, and I get it to a certain extent, but <laughs> I mean, has anybody else ever had? Uh, a contract addendum like this within a contract like I'd love to see those kind of things and I know uh, contracts in general for professional sports have a lot of crazy stuff that there are stipulated with it right you got to hit certain numbers to get certain incentives I think I just saw one about the Pelicans contract with Zion stating that he has to be under for his body weight and body mass I, I think in total has to be under 295 so there's a lot of different yeah. things that, you know, are written within these professional contracts because it's worth millions and millions of dollars. So I understand. But to be asking a dude to do something that should just clearly be part of being a professional, it, it, it's kind of sad. So I, I see both parties at fault on this. And it, it, yeah. it's it, you got to find out where you go from here to get this out. Get this out of the news and start figuring out what the next moves are. So. Yeah, and just like so not, we can move on from this real quick. But I just want to point out the logistics of it. To have something like that in a contract, how are you going to enforce that? And to have something in there that if if you're like, oh, if you say, oh, Kyler, you didn't, you only studied two hours this week, voids your entire contract. Goodbye. See you later. At any point, they could pull that shit. If they like, how are they going to prove that? Why I even mean, put it in there? I mean, obviously, it's probably a good faith thing, but at the same time, you know, when you have your your week prep, there's different day different days are broken out for different things, right? You have your walkthroughs, you have your days where you're lifting, you have off days, and there's probably days where it's strictly or like part of the day is strictly for film room study with each room. So he's Mm. in there with the other quarterbacks studying film and whatnot. So if that's already happening exactly do you need to even put that in there if it's thursdays from two to five are already scheduled for film study like if he's not there he probably gets some kind of fine anyways because it it's against like team con- uh, conduct and whatnot right but i i just think maybe uh they have some kind of program like you know uh after all the initiatives with with covid and everybody going virtual and classrooms basically basically going to full on zoom when kids mm-hmm. were taking tests you had to have your camera within a certain spot uh, i know brie did this for a couple of tests and a couple of classes that she did oh you yeah you can't go outside of the <laughs> of like the camera view and if, if there's like turn, excessive background noise or right like, if you turn and yeah. look for too long it like triggers something so that'd be awesome if they were going to do that tim where it's like Bro, you got to sit down every every Tuesday night from four to eight p.m. and we're literally recording you, you watching film. That'd be the only way you could enforce it. But like, at the end of the day, like for a grown man, adult person that's supposed to be the leader of your team to have that in a public contract. Well, right. So that's what that basically everything that's happened shows us that our relationship isn't where it needs to be or as mended as we thought it was in the beginning. Right. Yeah. So uh, where do you go from here? Obviously, Kyler made his statements and now the Cardinals are coming out and saying we have all the faith in the world in him. So we're backing him and we understand that he thinks it's a joke. So we're taking it out. So that's a good step in the right direction. Obviously, right. it makes you look like you got red all over your face and you look stupid. But mm-hmm. at least it's showing good faith in Kyler so you can continue to mend the relationship. It's just crazy that it had to go this way. Yeah. It's, for it to even get to this point, like, buried in paragraph 36, did you think people weren't going to see it? There's nerds that read all every single word of it and clearly not enough people read every single word of that contract or else it would have been taken out before it ever got signed you know like because like you said his agent hit kyler his agent steve kime probably read it 
Um, the the Cardinals lawyer probably read it. The Cardinals lawyer's lawyer probably read it. Like, yeah, I mean, you know that all those all these high profile um, sports entertainment business companies. They probably have dedicated employees to literally be like, okay, every time an X number contract comes out, so like high profile contract, 200 plus million in the NBA, you know, like contracts like Nikola Jokic and whatnot, your job is to literally just be like a lawyer and read through the contract and find any kind of crazy tidbits that are within it. Mm -hmm. So I'm not surprised that it came out and I'm not surprised that it came out as fast as it did. So Everything is dissected within sports culture nowadays, right? Nothing oh, 100%. Is unturned. And everybody is so in tune and tapped in with what's going on because of social media. There was no way they were going to be able to float this away. So yeah. that's why I'm so surprised. Like, what do you think was going to happen? People were going to freaking laugh at you. And like I said earlier, it's a slow news season. It's the, the drudge time of the MLB season right before the trade deadline, right after the All-Star game. There's no football. There's no basketball. There's no hockey even. There's no college anything. There's just nothing. There's nothing. And so, of course, the football has become a year-round obsession. And not to beat a dead horse, but you you nailed it. Like, there's people that are going to find this shit and are, are either paid or otherwise to dissect every piece of every contract that ever gets signed. Um, I don't know. But like you said, there, it's nothing. it's nothing we need to to go crazy on um i think do you want to keep talking about cardinals oh we can or whatever else you got on the docket i'm free man cool i want to pull this up because this is one of the most arizona sports things that i think i've seen in a long time and i think you might know what i'm talking about sorry i had to share Drew Jones suffers shoulder injury days after signing with the Arizona Diamondbacks. In his first batting practice, he injured his shoulder and will, or something and will miss the rest of the season. And I guess he's going to go more testing to see if he needs surgery already after we just signed him to an $8 million deal. Son of um, the former Atlanta Braves great Andrew Jones. Mike, is this the most Arizona sports thing you've seen all year? <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure that same day is when the Cardinals came out and said that Hollywood Brown was getting shut down for his hamstring injury. Uh, so, for so, his hamstring in so, injury. So, rank so. them, rank the, rank them top three. What are the most Arizona sports things? Drew Jones injured first batting practice. Hollywood Brown injured before training camp starts. Kyler Murray homework clause. Um, <laughs> most Arizona things. Uh, who? I would probably put Drew Jones at number one just because it's like, oh, <laughs> it's too okay, good. Okay, there's the, the, the new star that we're hoping for, and he's like hurt, and it could be a severe injury. Like, I know we've seen it, but just <laughs> with the nature of Arizona sports, it's kind of like, how far can we have things just go south, right? Yeah, And then I'd probably put Hollywood Brown there because, yeah, he did get injured, but from the sounds of it, it's not as severe and they're just going to, you know, take their precautions and play it slowly, which is the smart thing to do. And then I put Kyler Murray three because who the fuck, I've never heard of anything like that. So it's, <laughs> it's so unprecedented. I don't, I don't even know where to, where to even formulate a thought to go with that, but. Yeah. That's probably where I'm landing on those. Uh, poor kid, man. And it's <sighs> batting practice, too. Like, those are always That's the it. worst. Like, you feel bad. Like, obviously, it sucks for your organization. You know, he wasn't he wasn't going to play this year, right? He still has no, to go no, through no. Some, um, some, you know, minor league work and whatnot. But yeah. to get on the field for your first time and to hurt yourself, like, in practice, oof. Yeah. Oof. Talk about getting off on the wrong foot. But, and I don't blame uh, the kid. I, I mean, I don't want to blame the kid. Um, no, it, I mean, that's, the, that's that freak can't. shit that happens all yeah, the time, man. Shit, like, shit happens. Like when we're out there a couple months ago, we're playing every week. I play a couple times a week when we play ball. And then I just 
overexertion and popped my hamstring. Like it's it's nobody's oh, fault. Right. And, and we're conditioned to play. I mean, it's not like he's out of shape, and it's not like he wasn't swinging the baseball bat. It's just a crappy coincidence, and that's the one time where that's all it takes, and you get you, you know bad things happen. It's, it sucks, but. <sighs> That's horrible. That's horrible. I'm definitely yeah, excited to I see where he good. goes, though. I loved Andrew Jones when he was on the Braves with Chipper Jones and Greg Maddox and Tom Glavin. Yeah, those teams were awesome, man. When they beat the Yankees in the 90s, that was right before uh, the Diamondbacks won in 2001. I loved I loved those teams, man. So that would be cool to see how he comes in. He's a center fielder, right? So he plays the same position that his dad did? I believe so. I believe so. Um, let me see. J-R-U-W Jones. Um, I did see Andrew Jones was on the Yankees also for a short period of time, right? I I'm be- I believe so as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's see. He was. Da, 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 he is a professional big outfielder. Yeah. So yeah, probably center field. But yeah, I'm I'd make I'm excited to see what the kid can do, and I I think I I'm cautiously optimistic for the direction the Diamondbacks are headed in. I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt because with what they have to work with, it seems like they have been playing well. They have guys like Josh Rojas and some of these other younger guys that I can't name off the top of my head because I don't watch the Diamondbacks enough. But there's these guys that um, have been here for a little while that I hope they're able to move at the deadline to position us to be competitive next year. Um and I'm talking about guys like David Peralta. Um, he might he might have played his last game in a Diamondbacks uniform. Um, I think they have a game tomorrow, but the the trade deadline's creeping up, and uh, there's I think there is some interest for for some teams to get an outfielder. Ah, we'll see. He is a little bit older. He's not the player he used to be, but a, a team might not pass on a veteran like that. I really I really hope they can unload Madison Bumgarner's contract if they can if they can get him out of here that would really set us up well for next year. I just don't know what what kind of assets you're going to get back for him, especially as an aging starter and his inconsistency, man. Like, yeah, he's – I don't even know if you could say that he's been mediocre. Like, it's a little bit under par. Or I guess no. Over yeah. par would be the right oh, – No, yeah, under par. Golf, no, under par is good. Over. We'll take it, right? It's 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 a step below. He he hasn't been what it's we subpar. wanted, right? So subpar. God, Chris, I gotta go back. I gotta do my own homework, <laughs> dude. I gotta freaking get back to school. See, I knew you didn't do yeah. four hours of independent study before this stream, dude. I, you weren't watching me, man. I'm not gonna do shit. You know what I mean? Well, well, oh yeah, we took it out. You're right. I said I said we took it out of your contract. <laughs> but no, what uh, were you saying? Uh, I just. For, for as far as Madison Bumgarner, it, mm. I, I don't know what you're going to get. You'll, you'll probably be able to get a couple of prospects and see what you can make out of them, but you're not going to get too high of impact players, I feel, at least from the get-go. But yeah. is that also what the team is really building right now? We, we still are plenty of pieces away before you're really building a true, true contender. You're making the right strides now, but we're just so far back in the rat race of the NL West with the other teams that we're having to compete with, especially the Los Angeles Dodgers. It's, it's going to take time and I guess patience is a virtue, but it's easier said than done. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But I think, and let me know what you think about this. We're not going to be a team like the Dodgers or the Yankees or the Cubs that can spend a bunch of money to buy a ring. So we got to find these young guys and in our farm system to where we have them while they're young and cheap. And you don't know if those guys are stars until they start breaking out. So um, I just pulled up the roster here, and I, I do recognize you know a lot of these names. Uh, Dalton Varsho. He's a catcher. He's a guy who's been uh, pretty good. We might we might get rid of Cattell Marte. Christian Walker, I've heard, is also on the trade block, um, up for grabs. And Joe Mantiply, our lone all star. Um, but then, like we're talking about the young guys. <clears throat> excuse me, Alec Thomas. Alex Thomas, or I'm sorry, Alec Thomas. My goodness, seeing that he's born in April of 2000, <laughs> that just 
That's, that's weird. Hey, that's all we're going to see from professional athletes moving forward, man. Now, all of them are 2000s kids. Yeah. No, that's true. Anyone, yeah, anyone 22 or younger pretty much at this point. But um, because my th- throat's getting dry, I'm going to get to the point. Basically, I think we have to have a young, flourishing team where we're going to have one, two, probably only one or two. I want to say three years optimistically, but nothing ever works out when I'm optimistic. To have these young guys before they get past their rookie deal and their arbitration and they go elsewhere and to the Yankees and the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Uh I think we have a window right now where if we can if we can unload those guys I mentioned, um, Marte, uh, Peralta, Christian yeah. Walker, you know those types of guys, and then get young younger assets and really build. And next year, I'm not saying, I'm just saying get to the get to the get to the playoffs because in baseball, in a series, and in, in really any sport in a series, I don't know if you if you're a playoff team, you have a chance. And I'd love to see the Diamondbacks have a chance because I. And this is what I want you to, to speak on. Do you think, do you kind of agree with that? Or do you think they might get to a point like the, the O one was kind of looked at as like, they went all out one year, bought a bunch of players that were, you know, either aging or cheap deals to go at a one year run. I think it's tough nowadays to do the one year run just with the amount of money that's floating out there and the amount of pieces you would really need to bring in at higher contracts in order to, you know, make a push against those really high prolific teams. But I think you have to go the route that you're doing. And I know a lot of people were excited by this recent draft um, with the prospects that were brought in, including broken Andrew Jones or Mm -hmm. Andrew Jones. Um, Drew Jones. Drew Jones, my bad. Good, you're good. Uh, But that's the best route that you have because, you know, are the Diamondbacks ever going to be able to even be in consideration like a Washington Nationals team that offers Juan Soto $440 million? I mean, like we tried it with Zach Cranky and it didn't work. And we're only able to do that with that with one guy, if that, right? Whereas these other teams are offering guys uh, you know, over $100 million and at multiple positions. So you have to build, you have to build from your farm system and you have to hope for the best and, it, and that it turns around quickly. So we'll man. see, man. We'll see. I know that we've had conversations about where this team is going, but all I want is competency. That's it at this point, man. Like right. I'm, I'm tired of literally always being in third or fourth, primarily fourth in the NL West. Like mm-hmm. I don't even at this point I don't even care about NL standings. I'm just talking about even getting close to pushing for a division crown, right? right? And normally, if you're pushing for a division crown, you're getting close to a wild card spot, especially now that it's expanded. Yeah. So that's it, man. That's all you. It's all you got to go for. And obviously, everybody wants to win. I hope they do. Mm-hmm. So, some would say back in the day, Robert Sarver didn't want to win. Because they didn't want to pay guys like Joe Johnson. But yeah. that's beside the point. Uh, so you, you do the best you can. You roll with the punches. And you hope that these young guys work out and make it work yeah. fast. And and I think I, I w- I've been harsh on Hazen. Um, if you if anyone's listening to this back and is and listens to our podcast or goes back, either way, I've been a critic of Mike Hazen. And I've said that he should go. But honestly... I'm willing to give him a chance now, I think, because if when I'm when I think about it, he has the spirit when the Diamondbacks were semi competitive a couple years back at the deadline, he made the move to go out and get J.D. Martinez. And when he got scooped up from the Tigers really broke out with like, I think he was breaking out with the Tigers, but then really exploded with the Diamondbacks, got that big deal with the Red Sox. And now he's considered a star in this league. Um, So that's that's. A good that like I said, he has the spirit, and I want I like moves like that. Where if next year or the year after, you know, a couple years down the road, when Drew Jones is the the new star of the team and the the new guard is coming in and into their own, and we have those young pieces that we can be the third, second, third, um, fighting for the crown in our division, like you were saying, then we can make those aggressive moves at the deadline to get that one, two players to take us over the edge to make that push, because I don't think. 
we're going to have the sal like like the the teams we're talking about have the depth right to be able to have to be good all year long to get the record to be the division leader but if you kind of have a thinner roster and are relying on young talent it's inevitable in sports especially a sport like baseball where there's 182 games you're going to have injuries you're gonna have tweaks you're gonna have rest um they're playing four five six games a week um and any given um, time of the year so i i think you nailed it i just want to see them be competitive and just and and put a good product on the field that we can be proud of and just wild card is not a high bar as far as expectations go for a team, just asking you to be fighting for a wild card spot is not is not asking too much. But I, I think they're headed in the right direction, and um, I'm 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 honestly for the first time in a long time I'm kind of getting excited to see what they do. Like I was thinking today, like oh I hope they make some moves at the deadline, but not to like get better immediately, but to get better in in the long run. Yeah, I mean, and the last thing that I'll say too is exactly that JD Martinez. Um, trade that we had is exactly the kind of moves that you want to uh, see made somebody who's really coming into their stride and hitting a hot streak. And then you make an aggressive play for it because you're in a position to win, not a guy who has been steadily on the decline has is somebody who has not been the pitcher that he was for a decent amount of time and then pay him basically based off of his name in Madison Bumgarner. Yeah, I, you're right. And I and I don't want to be the team that is looking to sell all of their like main assets that we got. I mean, like Cattell Marte is like one of our best hitters. David Peralta is still one of our best hitters. Like yeah. those guys are like our best players. And I understand what you're saying, Chris. You have to make those moves to build for the future, but I don't want to be in this position for a long time where we're considering trading our only all-star, you know, like that's, that's, I want to be a buyer. I don't want to be a seller. Right. And that's it. It's as simple as that. Now, you so. bring up a, you may, you bring up a great point there and you got my gears turning now. I'm not a, I'm not a, the smartest guy and I'm not a baseball general manager, nor will I ever be. But Mike, let me ask you this. Would you rather have uh, like sign a guy like Madison Bumgarner, like you, you laid out all his flaws. We know who he is. He's um, he was really good, but then he's kind of, he kind of had a sharp decline and now he's kind of a mediocre, you know, inconsistent pitcher. Or would you rather the team not sign him? Cause I, I'm thinking in my head, I'm thinking maybe it, that year in free agency, they were looking around, looking around and guys are getting snatched up left and right. Maybe they're talking to some guys, but they're not interested in coming to Arizona. And then they look at Madison Bumgarner and they're like, Oh, he wants to be here. Um, you know, good weather, golf, plenty of space for him is what him, his wife, his cows and his sheep. Um, and they just like, okay, well, we'll, we'll sign him. Cause we need a pitcher, even though we just got rid of Zach Granke, who's virtually, not the same, but just comparable as far as having a ace pitcher. Um, Madison Bumgarner hasn't been an ace by any means. But getting back to my the point of my question, would you rather them they sign Madison Bumgarner or they don't sign anybody and take that cap space into the season, see how it pans out, and maybe trade one of your prospects to sign a guy that has a heavier contract that's better than Madison Bumgarner, or get multiple pieces and have room for their contracts to to make you better. I mean, hindsight's always going to be twenty twenty because we've seen what's happened the past two years, right? It's just two years. I think so. Or is it three? Or is this third season? This might anyways, be his third. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so you want to go down the route? Uh, no, I don't want to sign him. I don't want to sign him to the contract that he ended up getting. Um, and I'm still probably in the fact that back then when we signed him, I was like, uh, okay but hasn't he already kind of lost favor with the giants, you know, back then when this was all happening, yeah. it's like, he's not the same ace that he was when they won in the early 2010s, you know? So mm -hmm. I would, and I understand you got to fill the shoes that Zach, Zach Granke was bringing, but was it like we were really winning anyways? I mean, what was the last, when was the last time we were in the playoffs? 2017? I think so. So it had already been a couple of years where we weren't really like competitive, like competing for spots and whatnot. So why don't you just get into the rebuild early 
throw in some of your farm league uh, pitchers, see what you might have, and grow somebody. Like a Max Scherzer, you know? Like, he was built through the Diamondbacks organization. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and save the money. And maybe be able to buy at the deadline because you have the extra cap space and whatnot. But hindsight's twenty twenty, right? You're always going to say, you're always, you're always going to go, yes, I, I wouldn't have signed him because of what i know now subconsciously in your mind right so yeah yeah it's it's easy to play monday morning quarterback i always i love that phrase because you know like you perfect hindsight 2020 whatever you want to say it's easy for us to sit here with knowing what we know now but i don't know back then i think i was just because the name like and i think maybe that's why they did it because the name you hear madison bumgarner and looking at this he was 30 years old when we signed him so Mike is, I mean, is is thirty an old athlete? Like, especially in baseball, like, I would think. think, uh, Sorry, I don't think thirty is an old athlete. But when you have ten years under your belt of big league pitching, I mean, that's a lot of wear on your arm. That's true. We played that pitching game at Dave and Buster's, and like, I threw (laughs) three pitches, and I'm I'm almost still feeling it. I I. I know I don't have the technique and the the muscle structure for it, but yeah, you, you bring up a great point. Ten years of that wear and tear, and on on top of that, considering the playoff runs that the Giants were going through during those stretches, where he would have an, those extra starts and maybe be pushed a little further, maybe played through some tweaks here and there just to get those. Because I am at, I know Bumgarner is a competitive guy, but the, I mean the numbers don't lie, as you can see here. His last three seasons with the Giants, he had 3.32, 3.26, 3.9 ERA. And then so far with the Diamondbacks, just abysmal. Cleaning it up a little bit this year, but I mean, 3.71 is not a desirable ERA. As far as I know, I'm not a, the baseball expert. I've just been got bit getting into it here in the last five, six years, but not not good. Not good, and that's I don't I didn't mean to dogpile on Madison Bumgarner or to get to get oh, derailed with that. Poor Madison. But um, it, you brought up you just you 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 got me thinking there, and I just think it's just been a a lot of question. There have been some questionable decisions, but I do getting to the core of it. I like the spirit of the JD Martinez move, and I can understand maybe the logic behind getting bringing in a veteran like Madison Bumgarner being like yeah he might have been slumping the last 3 years but maybe he can turn it around um or maybe he'll have a resurgence it's not it's not hard to imagine that a 30 year old could have a resurgence when you see pitchers pitch into their late 30s maybe there's been pitchers in their 40s I'm almost positive oh yeah um but I mean, I'm pretty sure Nolan Ryan almost pitched till he was like mid 40s yeah, I mean, guys like him and Tom Brady, they're they're going to be the exception and not the rule. Um, Mike, I'm looking at the clock. How much time do you got left? I got just under 10 minutes. So if you just got anything else, let's do it. Perfect, perfect. I think I want to spend this last 10 minutes talking about my favorite Valley sports team, the Phoenix Suns. Oh, God. And it's been a little quiet recently, hasn't it? It's a snooze fest out there, man. Yeah. Except for Except for – Mikhail Bridges, freaking getting on tables at the Vine, singing uh, alternative rock songs with the, with the people. You oh, didn't see I think, that? I think tonight was their last night, if I'm not mistaken. I did not see that, though. I did not oh, see yeah. that. The Vine in Tempe? Yeah, the Vine in Tempe. He was out there at karaoke night, um, freaking chopping it up with the people and on the table. Um just having a grand old time, man. It's probably one of those things where he heard from other people that they were closing down and it was like, you know, one of the, the favorite like college spots. I think and, that place has been packed every day, every night this month. Cause I'm, oh, I'm, I can only imagine. I'm kind of bummed now. Cause me and Ian went down there with the intention to have one last night at the vine. And it was just fought through it, man. We should have fought through it, but it, it was, there was nowhere to sit. There was nowhere to edge in at the bar. And I honestly, in my heart of hearts, thought I would make it back out to Tempe, but I should have known better. Um, <laughs> I saw it. I at least saw it one last time. I saw Mark smoking a cigarette out back. Shout out, Mark. Um, he was a bartender at the Vine there forever. I hope I hope he, he's doing well. But uh, 
anyway, with, I don't want to waste time. We, you, you got short time. So let's talk about the Suns. I didn't see Mikael Bridges dancing at the Vine, but I'm going to look that up without a doubt. I did see, though, that uh, it was it was difficult to find more details, but the Suns announced a, a multi-year extension for Monty Williams. And the best I could find is that multi-year, they mean two-year, two extra years. So now we have Monty Williams through, I think, 2026? 2025, 2026, something like that. But they added two more years on, onto his deal. Um, I've been a Monty critic. I think I've probably been a bit hard on the guy because he has done a great job. I, he's a good guy, not a, not a knock on his character by any means. Just some of his coaching choices I've been critical of. Um, but Mike, how, how do you feel about the Monty extension? I mean, it makes sense, man. It's With everything that's happened these past three years, the trajectory of this team, the hopes in bringing back the pieces that you have, that it continued success will be here. I mean, he was a big part of that. He's building blocks that you want to keep around. So I understand. Uh, and he did win Coach of the Year last year. So sometimes you want to reward things like that. So yeah. uh, congrats to Coach Mont. Um, just got to make adjustments when, uh, you know, the playoffs come around. And I'm not talking about just um, switching out this guy off the bench for the other. I'm talking about game plan adjustments. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but and, Monty's been around the game enough to to understand that. And I think that'll be a growth for everybody, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do – don't get me wrong. I do love Monty. He's I love him in interviews. I love a lot of the stuff he says. And his, he seems to have a, a, a down-pat philosophy. Um, you got me thinking there because we've coached a little bit. And I I know my strengths as a coach are more in practice – and one-on-one -on -one with the players versus in-game, I'm probably not, I don't want to, I'm not Monty Williams by any means, but I don't, I don't make as many, when we're in the timeouts, I don't have as much of a way to articulate the adjustments. Like when we were coaching together, you always had a bunch to say. The ref was blowing their whistle, trying to get our guys on the court and you were still drilling them. You know, you got to box out this guy when you're rushing up the court, you know, whatever, all these adjustments that you're spitting out at them. So what, what I'm saying is the some coaches can do both. They're, they're great in practice. They're great in game. But do you think some coaches are like me are better, even in the NBA, are more off the court kind of better coaches for, for like developing these guys, working with them in practice, always being there for them. But then when it's in game, they're not always making the best adjustments versus on the other hand, maybe some guys make great in game adjustments, but they're not always the best in the practice setting. Uh, I think that's a great question because obviously you're talking about extended amount of time where you're just focused on yourselves and what you're doing to get better when it comes down to the practice side. You know, you might have an hour and a half, two hour practice where you can really hone in and talk about certain points over and over and over and drill it into their heads to make them see what you're talking about. Whereas in games, Everything is so fast paced. Everything is on the fly. You really have to come down to quick adjustments on what you see and pray to God that <laughs> your team understands what you're talking about yeah. uh, what from what you see, because it's different when you're sitting back, right? Comparative to when you're playing. You, you only have a certain full view of the court when you're playing. I'm running down. I can only see here. I, I, I try to keep I try to have the best court vision that I can. But when you're sitting back from a coach's view, you get to see the entire uh, court and see how things are played out or where adjustments are happening, maybe to one side on the defense, attacking, you know, a poor defender over here and whatnot. And I, I could see where um, you could say that some coaches might be built differently for other areas. Um, but when you're a head coach, you have to be able to do both, right? If Very true. If you're, um, you know, one of Monty's guys that's sitting fifth on the bench, yeah, he's the one who's probably taking the centers down into the low block at practice and taught and helping him with a over the shoulder left handed scoop and whatnot. But Monty Williams, he has a grand, he has a grander scheme at play that he has to be working on, and it's. I, I understand you always want to play to your guys' strengths. 
But if it's something that's continuously not working, why aren't you going to try and go a different way where most of these guys, well, not most of these guys, these guys are the best basketball players in the world. They should have multiple facets in their game. So you should be able to focus more in the post or get them off of pick and rolls a little bit, have some more curls set. Like you just can't sit here and tell me that, oh, we weren't fast enough to make those adjustments. These are NBA professional players, man. It should literally, Mm -hmm. it should take me looking at him and looking to one spot for them to understand, okay, I want you to go there. And I don't even have to say anything. You know what I mean? Honestly, yeah. So, and that, for us, it was so totally different because exactly what you're saying, I'm out there spitting a million things (laughs) in a very, very short amount of time saying, okay, we have to get back on defense. You have to pressure the ball once they get past half court, force them to the corners. Um, When you're on offense, swing the ball. And we're just listing and listing and listing. These kids are so overwhelmed with everything. It's like, that might come back down on me. I need to <laughs> reel it in a little bit. Ah, I wouldn't say one that. thing, but you know, I understand what you're saying. I and I hope that that's not Monty's case. Uh, it also comes down to trust, right? Guys got to trust what his game plan is. But I feel like the Suns have such a good cohesive unit with those guys, like leaders like Chris Paul, who are kind of like a player coach where they'll be able to talk about what they're seeing on the floor as well and work to a better game plan within the game plan. That's mm-hmm. the next step that needs to be taken with this team. So we'll get there. And hopefully yeah. we'll get there with Kevin Durant. I'm still holding out hope. You still think you still think we're going to get KD? It's going to happen, man. It's going to happen. I have faith. I have faith. I'm holding my faith. Um, I, it'll happen eventually, whether it's now or down the road, because it seems like all the reports are he has the desire to be here. But, man, we have so much more to talk about. But that's pretty much, it sounds like, all the time we have for tonight. We are going to get you the Heat Check Podcast, Episode 9, I think. 8 or 9. Shit, I can't keep track. Um, but that August episode will be coming up here in the next uh, couple weeks. Um, Mike and I and Tallman will, will coordinate that. But... Be on the lookout on all our social medias. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. All their links are our links are in the description. Um, because of Mike, he inspired me to get a link tree today. So him, his link tree, my link tree, it's down below there. So make sure you're uh, following all those social medias. And uh, I imagine we'll have a live stream for you next week. And uh, yeah, Mike, what do you got? Anything else? Yes, sir. Uh, Valley Sports plug on Twitter at Arizona VSP. My socials are at Mike underscore Ben Jammin. With two M's. Only other thing I got to say is free BG, baby. We out. We out. Oh, I don't think I shared the audio, did I? We'll try this one more time. Oh, my goodness. You're going to have to cut this for the... uh... Yeah.